Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. We're headed to the home stretch of football season and basketball is in full swing. And BetOnline remains the number one spot for all the action this year. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use the promo code BLEAV50, B-L-E-A-V-50, to receive your bonus. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all of your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, or good night. However and whenever it is, you may be listening. Thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of the Take It easy podcast live on the believe podcast network except it isn't live because it's a podcast welcome in everybody it is a wonderful wonderful january 29th according january december 29th according to my count jumping ahead a month here december 29th according to my count maybe january 29th according to your count maybe another day according to your count but we appreciate you stopping in to the take it easy podcast no a block today no big announcement from me we've got a fantastic stripe hype wednesday coming at you blake jude is here he is back and we had a wonderful wonderful podcast today Really excited for y'all to hear it. Please check out Blake on Instagram. He runs Stripe Hype Cincy. He has the Stripe Hype All Day Podcast. You're going to get his NFL draft analysis coming over the next three months because he scouts 250 or so NFL players. This is like his fifth year doing scouting, and he's only like 20 years old. It's really, really in-depth. It helps me learn a lot about the NFL draft. This guy is super smart, our best friend here on the show, and I cannot wait for you to listen to i i mean if wired up had episode 100 on sunday this has got to be like the 100th podcast we've done because we did like every day during the draft uh or at least the week leading up to the draft we do a weekly podcast every week except for like four or five weeks going back two full years now like we've been doing so much content through pandemics and through nfl season number two it's fantastic it's fun and i really 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 love every time blake jude joins us on the podcast so here's a stripe hype wednesday it's a really fun podcast it's an hour and a half of football flowing all throughout i hope you enjoy what's going on <laughs> mr a f c north champion <laughs> Take your victory lap. Take your victory lap. Yeah, technically no, but you just it's gonna happen. As long as you don't lose both and Baltimore doesn't win both, it's it's gonna happen. We we can call it here unless we have an all-timer of a collapse. 
we can, we can kind of call it. So take your victory lap, my friend. We could also technically lose to the Browns as well and the Steelers, but uh, actually I, I doubt Pittsburgh's going to make it. But if the Browns win both their games and we lose because we had a tie, we lose a tiebreaker against the Browns as well, it's realistically possible they could pass us. But okay, I mean, well, this, so the point doubt, still the stands biggest, that you guys this are is the big, that was the biggest game. Yeah, and we won, of course. So yes, it's fantastic. I'm I'm a very very happy soul on this fine Tuesday. Is it Tuesday? Yeah, Tuesday morning. <laughs> I mean, for the people listening, it's a stripe pipe Wednesday, but you know, it's it's it is what it is. You know, Cincinnati is going to be the worst to first team. We didn't have one last year, and it broke the trend of 16 times in the last 18 years that a team has gone worst to first in their division. But it looks like the Bengals are going to be that team. And oh my lord, I, I talked about this on Monday. Like this might be as good as it gets for the Bengals, like just in terms of an emotion, because there were no expectations. Like now the problem is you're building up expectations and you still play in a division with Lamar Jackson. But even if it's not like how much better does it get at home against a division rival? You were last place the year before you had the number one pick two years before. And Oh, by the way, Joe Burrow is going to throw 530 yards and four touchdowns and you're going to dominate a division rival where it's, it's not the same like little brother situation that like Browns and Steelers is, but you know, for 20 years we were joking, it's the Steelers and Ravens and then the Bengals and Browns and the AFC North. And then to have that pivot, obviously the Ravens having everyone injured, but you get to literally steal the division from them. There was no way coming into the season that you thought the Ravens weren't going to win the AFC North or, you know, lose it to the Bengals. Like it, it's so perfect. Like it, the narrative is so perfect. You can make a stout argument, I, I think. And I mean, I predicted the Bengals to finish third in AFC North. Like a lot of Bengals fans expected us to have a losing record. You know, no one really expected much this year. I, I think, you know, I, I wanted to see noticeable improvement from Zach Taylor and this Bengals team. I was hoping for an eight and nine season potentially. Um, now you're nine and six, right? And, and you're looking at this, you are looking at what I think of as one of the most in football right now when it comes to the Browns, Ravens, Steelers. I mean, they're, they're not particularly great teams like how the NFC West is, but they are no slouches either. There is not one bad, bad team in the AFC North. Pittsburgh's not great, but they're also not terrible. They're capable of winning football games. And I mean, we see Cincinnati, not only are they 9-6, they're 4-1 in the division. They swept both the Steelers and the Ravens for the first time, and I can't remember how long. It is insane to see how that's that's transpired. And, I mean, they have a chance to go to Cleveland on Week 18, potentially beat them as well. If you go 5-1 and one in this division, considering how good these football teams are, that has to be such a, a very promising and, and exciting sign for Cincinnati fans because this is still a team that is going to be top five in cap space next year. They're going to have nine more picks in the NFL draft next year. This was this was thought to be the the – bridge year to next season which is going to be the year we're actually going to be contenders right the fact that we are already there at this point is very very exciting and and i don't want to overreact just yet because the dolphins were in the exact same situation and now here they are barely in the playoffs or, or fighting to be in the playoffs next year or, or this year <laughs> um but to, to see that that's the case already leads me to believe that hey our ceiling is higher. We can, we can go higher than this. And, and that is very exciting. I, I do think there's a very good possibility that next year 
we are uh, of the top two teams again in the AFC North. And it's very exciting to see that because um, Joe Burrow has given us everything we've, we've needed and more at quarterback right now. And, you know, there, there were some doubts occasionally, you know, of course the, the big knee injury scared everyone. He's had games this year where he's really struggled, like the Chicago Bears game where he was just really, really bad. But I, I said that after the San Francisco loss, actually, if there was any doubt Joe Burrow was going to be a franchise quarterback for the Bengals, that uh, they, they were, it, that was, all that doubt was shut down after that game. I mean, I was uh, having that doubt back did. in like week six or like week seven. Like even I was having some of that doubt. And now it's like, oh, no, this guy is as special as you said he was coming out of the draft when we were doing many years ago. I guess now two years ago, because it's basically 2022 at this point when we were doing that draft analysis and you're like, this is the highest rated quarterback you ever scouted. Like, okay, now we see it. Now we see where all the gifts were for Joe Burrow, even if he didn't show it his first few years in college. It's easy to see now the 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 ceiling is higher than I could have ever imagined for Joe Burrow at this point now. Not to say like it's a guarantee he's going to be great. He is older than Lamar Jackson, but there's no reason he can't get better. There's no reason the Bengals can't get better. I say this fully acknowledging that I think the Ravens are still going to run that division with a healthy Lamar Jackson, but there's no reason that the ceiling isn't higher than we ever thought. I really think what we've seen from Joe Burrow is just the beginning because this is still a team that has one of the worst offensive lines in football. I mean, people don't realize the Bengals offensive line is still really, really bad. And I, I even said it during the draft. I think Joe Burrow is going to be a guy that's probably going to need the offensive line to be at his peak in terms of talent. He's not going to be able to make do with the poor offensive line like how Russell Wilson was able to several years uh, with the Seahawks. Yeah, that's just not going to be possible for him. He's not as mobile as those guys, especially after the knee injury. Uh, obviously, it's, it's going to be tough for him. But we're seeing, we're seeing him do these things with a bottom-tier offensive line right now. I mean, he is breaking tackles. I, I don't know if you watched the Ravens game or not. Uh, there was three or four plays where, I mean, he was – Hit behind, I mean, of course, hit behind line, line of scrimmage in the pocket. He rolls out, manages to get outside, breaks another tackle or two, makes a dart to T. Higgins, and all of a sudden it's first and 10 at the Ravens 15 yard line rather than fourth and 12 at the Bengals 30. I mean, it was unreal to see him extend plays, make plays with bad offensive line. And, and to think that he's absolutely the best in the pocket, yet he's doing these plays outside of the pocket is so exciting. And it's really, really promising for, for his career. He's outplaying my expectations in some aspects right now, which I am I'm very, very pleased about. Well, I know we were talking about it and your expectations kind of adjusted after the knee injury because we spent <laughs> we spent six months talking about what the Bengals were going to be when Joe Burrow came back and whether or not to take Jamar Chase or take Kyle Pitts or take Panay Sewell. Like we went through those podcasts and to see it happen a year ahead of schedule. I know you brought up Miami and I laughed at that partway through, but think about what Miami had to work with to, to start off. They had the equivalent of five first round picks for Laramie Tunsil in one of the great trade robberies in the history of the NFL and also gave up a first round pick for Minka Fitzpatrick and had the top and got Tua, the quarterback they were tanking for in the beginning just because he got injured. And it took all of that. And we still thought they weren't going to be a year ahead of schedule because they can't draft offensive linemen. And because they draft Noah, I can't pronounce his last name in the first round. And it was a bad pick. And like with all of that, they still couldn't do what the Bengals did because the franchise quarterback and the, the receiving core and 
Trey Hendrickson, one of the best free agent signings, like really just adding all that talent in one off season, just flipped the script all the way for the Cincinnati Bengals. And it's kind of weird that it worked out the way it did. And I'm not entirely sure, but uh, I believe uh, they have these like uh, the the banged up rankings or something like that, uh, where it talks about like how injured teams are. And I mean, Cincinnati is still at the bottom of one of those lists as well. So it's not like they're getting lucky with injuries. I believe they're 25th right now. They have noticeable people out. Logan Wilson, the starting linebacker, uh, starting right tackle, Riley Reeves out for the year. We we haven't had a healthy cornerback room all this season. And whether it's Trey Wayne's, Chidobe Awuchie, there have been injuries all around the cornerback room. Uh, and, and, you know, I mean, to, all the wide receiver depth we've had, Auden Tate, guys like that have not been able to play this season. There have been quite a bit of injuries since now he's had to work through as well. It's not just the fact that we are staying healthy and being able to take advantage of bad teams. Um, this is the team that has had just as many injuries as teams like Cleveland Browns have. And yet here they are, I mean, at the top of the division. So uh, I, I really think, I mean, to be honest, I mean, I, I definitely – I definitely wasn't surprised that we beat Baltimore last week, obviously, with Josh Johnson at quarterback. But the fact that we were even, even in that position to be able to beat them, to be taking the division lead by basically a game and a half, is so huge uh, and big for uh, the program. And, and you know, I, I want to give credit to Zach Taylor because Zach Taylor's been a guy that's got a lot of heat from Bengals fans over the last several years. I mean, starting out very, very rough, of course, the first two seasons. We even talked about it a couple of times, potentially being a candidate to be fired last offseason because of how poorly he's performed the first two years. But, man, has he turned this, this team around? I mean, he's been a big driving force behind a lot of the free agent signings. Larry Ogunjobi was eight sacks this season. Trey Hendrickson, like you said, has 14 sacks, broke a franchise record this year. Um, you know, Chidabe Rougier, who's been a top 15 corner in the NFL, I think you can all argue uh you know even when guys got guys beforehand like von bell a couple of years ago um that has been a really big key signing they have drafted some pretty good players like logan wilson who's been a pretty good linebacker uh of course at t higgins jamar chase those elite wide receivers on the outside he's been a big driving force behind a lot of these very very key offensive and defensive uh signings and and draftees and the way he has built his team is really really impressive i think I don't expect him to be the best, great play caller like how Andy Reid and Bill Belichick is when it comes to team building and making a team that's going to win football games. I think he has done a fantastic job at doing that. And I want to give him credit because I didn't even see it for a while. I still thought there were definitely some holes on this roster. I still had some problems with how this team was being built. I didn't think the defense would be elite um, in, in certain aspects of the game. I thought they were still below average defense. I think obviously now they're pretty well above average. Um, it, it shocks me to see see how well this team worked out and, and performed it. His vision was perfect in what this team needed to be. Well, I, I would like to just do the Praise Cincinnati podcast here today because this is, like I said, this might be as good as it gets. I don't know uh, how this is all going to work out for the Bengals. I don't, I even as with all the good things that have happened, I, I don't expect like the Bengals are going to go on another five-year run of winning the AFC North, but I, and only the only reason I say that is because Lamar Jackson is in the division, but at the same time, the Bengals pretty much have, <laughs> I don't want to do the anti Bengals podcast where I'm like, you know, that the Baltimore Ravens still have 10 all pro players and Lamar Jackson comes back and he's going to carve up your defense in the next season and all of that stuff. But even still Cincinnati, ha- I, this is the time to celebrate Cincinnati. This is the victorious Bengal podcast of a division that we thought was like, you know, Cleveland's going to be pretty good. And now we don't know what to do with them because of injuries and quarterback play and 
yeah, I did an impromptu 40 minute podcast on Baker Mayfield that kind of has me out on the Browns more than I thought I would be. And the Steelers are, are kind of in this purgatory that you see like bad franchises do. And the Bengals have a chance. They have stability. And I still have no idea if Zach Taylor is a good coach. It, it, it is a big question mark, but I, 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 I do agree with you, though. I, I still think, you know, you can make an argument for the next decade. The Ravens are probably still going to be the team that we consider to dominate this division. But, you know, at the same time, I, I really feel like now you make a good argument in terms of the future. The Bengals are in better positions to win football games than both the Cleveland Browns and the Pittsburgh Steelers. And that is great because we have a wild card. So Cincinnati can still definitely be a playoff contender. They can possibly break their streak of a playoff game now with Joe Burrow at quarterback. I mean, there, there are chances for this team to go places that they haven't gone in decades. Uh, would you like a uh, would you like a fun stat here before we uh, we go on about uh, about a f- particular franchise that we like to make fun of here on the podcast? Oh, of course, I would love okay, to hear that. So these these are teams with the worst records post October 11th in the last three seasons, so 2019, 2020, and 2021. So post October 11th. The Jaguars, the last three years, have five wins post-October 11th. The Jets have five wins. And the Carolina Panthers have three wins. Three and 29 in games post-October 11th over the past uh, few years. I just saw that the other day, and I've been saying it to everyone I know because it's absolutely incredible that the Panthers are three and 29 in games post-October 11th over the past three years. Yikes. (laughs) Yikes. <laughs> wow, that is that is bad. And it's actually impressive because I mean I, I don't think I don't think I've ever actually witnessed teams sustain this poor of play for this long. And we are seeing multiple teams in the NFL do it this year, which is really, really crazy to think of. Um so I mean I I'm not sure that is that is wild though. I mean I, I don't No, I'm glad that you imagine. brought that up because one of the things that I say a lot or at least I I said a lot the past 2 years about like just the NFL is the NFL has designed a system that legislates parity better than all of the other sports where baseball has like a soft salary cap and the NBA is so star driven and stars can switch teams based on that and so many teams make the playoffs in the NBA um it legislates parity uh, not a, uh, better than the NFL creates parity better than other sports teams and or sports leagues and that's starting to change now because i'm looking up and i'm like is anyone going to be able to catch these teams that have built these like powerhouses at the top of their divisions like i like buffalo is starting to have some of that in the AFC East with the patriots and I feel like the Chiefs are going to win that division for a decade straight and the Packers are going to win the NFC North for a decade if they, you know, I mean, Aaron Rodgers is getting older now, but they dominate that division and the Cowboys are running the NFC East. And I just like, is the NFL, does the NFL have as much parity as we thought the Rams have made the playoffs for the last five years now? Like you're right. Teams are bad for much longer now because it's so hard to, dig out of that hole it looks like because the teams at the top are just so much better than even the teams in the middle yeah uh it, it really has became began to kind of curve in terms of talent and i think a big reason behind that is we're starting to you know 
we're, we're getting a lot of these uh, these teams who were just drafting so well, drafting at such a high level. I mean, for some reason, I don't understand how or why, but teams like the Jets, the Giants, the even the Jaguars occasionally just cannot seem to draft talent that is consistent every single season. We see so many of these poor picks that are just not working out. And I don't know if it's just the fact that they are just closing their eyes and picking their best player available on their board or if they're trying too hard to fit a need to a team, but it's not working. And we are seeing teams like the Chiefs. We're seeing teams like the Patriots who are, who just took such a smarter approach to draft and free agency both uh, and, and are able to get guys that they envision can work out on their team and it works out for them. And I, I really don't know how to fix that if you're the Jaguars or Jets. You have top picks every year. So theoretically, you should be able to fix that easily. But this is just a team that is not – for some reason, it's just not working for them right now. They are not finding the talent. They're not finding what they need to be successful uh, on the football field. And, I mean, I think it all starts with a head coach. And I, I really think the Jets are on the right path with Robert Saleh. I do think they have potential there. Um, and, and now, we, of course, we're seeing the, the Jets head coaching – or sorry, Jaguars head coaching um, uh, kind of thing going on right now where we're looking to see who they can get. So I, I don't know. It's it is really tough and, and confusing, but um, I do think that there there is going to be um, hopefully if if we see a new head coach and everything like that, we're hopefully going to see a change uh, and maybe see some other teams start to contend uh, in in these divisions. But I mean, it's impossible to tell right now uh, with everything going on. I just really think that. We, they need to find good head coaches. They need to draft good talent, and they haven't done either of those yet. And until they do, they're going to keep being bad. I the the explanation I've always used, and I don't know if it's able to be confirmed or not because football is weird. But the thing I've always assumed is the the owners that are meddlesome or people in power who are meddlesome within organizations are hurting their teams because there's so many smart people in the NFL now, like so many people want to work in the NFL and there's so many smart people who want to work running professional sports teams that there's like an over an, a pool of overqualified candidates for like a, a small number of jobs. And for teams whose owners still want to be decision makers, ultimately they're falling behind the organizations that empower their people to make decisions. And one of the one of the things I was thinking about it this week is the the Giants case where week six we did a podcast they they had just lost to I think the Raiders that week the Giants did I'm like okay it's a failure you can fumigate the organization now you can get rid of Gettleman you can get rid of Judge you can get rid of Daniel Jones you can get rid of Saquon like it failed and it's better to just start with a clean slate and begin all over again and I I could figure that out after. And I feel really confident saying like we figured that out after like 22 games of Joe Judge and the two years of Pat Shermer with Gettleman, like 22 games could figure out this isn't going to work. And the Giants are about to give Judge and Daniel Jones 28 more games to figure it out because they got all of this season. I know Jones was hurt. They got all of this season and they're going to get all of next season, even as the Giants hire a new general manager but that general manager apparently is not allowed to pick the coach and not allowed to pick the quarterback until two full seasons from now. And by that point, you're two seasons behind everyone else who's, you know, not staying in, in stagnant position 
with Joe Judge and Daniel Jones and hoping that works out. And so you just end up falling behind your peers, I guess is the way I think of it. And the Lions have done some of this and the Bears have done some of this and the Jets and the Jaguars and the franchises that we think of as like really bad franchises do some of the same things. I, f- I feel like that's the common thread between irrelevant franchises. I, I love that you mentioned the Lions because this does remind me a lot of maybe to a much smaller extent, because I'm not going to try to compare these two quarterbacks. Do not get, do not get me wrong here, but this reminds me a lot of the Lions continuing to keep Matthew Stafford despite them not winning any football games, right? I mean, Daniel Jones is not a Matthew Stafford. He is not nearly the quarterback he is, but the Giants refusing to let go of him and continue to try to ride him out and see if he can win the football games, it's not going to happen. You're just not at that point yet. You have to shut down and reset everything. The Lions learned that the hard way. They had to lose 16 games in a season. They had to literally be a one of the worst teams in the NFL for several years, despite having what we now consider a top 10 quarterback in the league, just because obviously he wasn't going to work with the Detroit Lions. Daniel Jones is not a good quarterback, but he's also not a terrible quarterback. He's just not going to work with the Giants, obviously. We're not going to see Daniel Jones ever win a playoff game with New York Giants and being a starting quarterback. It's just not going to happen. So they need to find a way to reset right now. And the fact that they are refusing to do that, they're going to keep Joe Judge. They're going to keep, um, of course, uh, uh, Daniel, Daniel Jones. Jones I mean, it's just not going to work. Saquon. Yeah, it's just not going to work. And I want to say, I like, uh, like the mention Saquon. I think where you need to start right now is looking to find that somewhere else they can't first Saquon to go. You can look for somewhere else for Daniel Jones to go. You need to reset, starting at the quarterback position and, and finding pieces down the line that you can use to gain for the future. You have a lot of good youth and depth on this roster right now. I really, really like Aziz Ojolari, Kadarius Tony. You have guys out there like Julius Andrew Peppers, Thomas, according to a solid. listener, I forgot the listener's name, but he hit me up on Instagram. Apparently, Andrew Thomas has only allowed one sack in 700 snaps this year. So Andrew Thomas looked like a bad pick before, but it's actually kind of working out now. Right. And, and I'm actually very, very uh, happy with that pick. Remember, they made it back in back in uh, 2018, I believe is what it was. Uh, but uh, I, I really, really think that top to bottom, this is – this is a team that has talent. You cannot waste it right now. And they are, I mean, I'm, I don't want to say they're wasting it, but. No, they're wasting by, it. That's, that's totally yeah, fair. They are yeah, totally wasting, wasting the talent. Like we, we both agree that it's over. It's going to fail. I, I went back to the archives. I said that on October 18th, I said it was over. And two months later, not only are they not moving on two months too late, but now they're also going to bring everyone back for another season when we already know that it's a wash. Like we, we agree it's a failure. It's just the giants aren't doing anything about it. Right. Uh, and, and that's, that's very disappointing. And, and if, you know, being a, you know, if, if I was a fan of that team, I mean that I, I just feel like that'd be very disheartening. You're, as, as a football fan, you are cheering for the ultimate goal being the Super Bowl, right? There is no chance in hell. Hell, we ever see Daniel Jones and the Giants in this football. It's never gonna happen. And I feel like as a GM, as a owner, looking at that team and saying, Oh, we're gonna keep those guys, but we're not, I mean, th- th- that is essentially telling me we're not going to make an attempt to win the ultimate goal of a football season win the Super Bowl. That's just not what's gonna happen when you have Joe Judge at head coach and Daniel Jones at quarterback. 
It's just not going to happen now. Joe Judge, I think you can make an argument. Hey, it's still really early on in his coaching career. There's a chance he can turn around, right? I understand that argument. But looking at Daniel Jones, I mean, everything we have seen from him, we talked about it multiple times in this podcast. This was the year that they were going to have everything around him, and he was going to be able to prove whether or not he is the starting quarterback on this on this roster. Uh, last year, a lot of people made the argument that the Giants were the most talented team in the NFC East last year, and still they fell short. Why? Because of the quarterback position. This is just a team that is not going to win with Daniel Jones, period. No matter how good this roster is, it is never going to be good enough with Daniel Jones. And the fact that they are doubling down and trying to say he is a starting quarterback is, I mean, like I said, it's disheartening for every football team. I mean, if I'm never going to leave my fandom, but if I was a Giants fan that was willing to leave my fandom, I would not be a Giant. New sponsor alert here on the Take It Easy podcast. It is Lightbox Jewelry. Using cutting-edge technology and innovative techniques, Lightbox Jewelry has cracked the science of sparkle, creating the highest quality lab-grown diamonds that you can find at a light price of just $800 per carat. Lightbox lab-grown diamonds are the gift they'll never want to take off, priced so they won't have to. Visit lightboxjewelry.com to add sparkle to your holiday shopping. That's lightboxjewelry.com. Lightbox Diamonds. Never a dull moment. Yeah, let me let me just say to people who, who are in, you know, in these terrible, abusive relationships with their teams, trust me, there is there is help on the other side. If you start now, your life will be so much better without it. I was fortunate enough that I happened to get the ultimate catalyst for that, which was I'm from San Diego, the Chargers left, and so I didn't want to root for them anymore. And my life is so much better without having to root for the Chargers anymore. It's so much better. <laughs> and part of that is falling in love with Patrick Mahomes and hitching myself to that wagon for 15 years. But for people who are worried about being a bandwagon, like, why would you actively continue to be miserable? And this is like something I say outside of sports is that there are so many types of entertainment now that exist and sports is the only one where you are actively choosing to spend time money and emotionally invest in something that's going to make you miserable like a, a movie will not make you miserable netflix will not i mean other than the dopamine but net if you if you pay for a movie a movie is you're not going to leave the movie feeling miserable sports actively contribute to misery if you if you choose to root for a team that is miserable and it's weird it's irrational it's fun but it's also when you think about it really weird so if you're a lions fan if you're a giants fan you can get off that narcotic it's it's okay like it, it will be better on the other side it might be difficult for a couple years you'll you might be tempted to come back every time they win but it will be better on the other side because the Giants are headed towards another decade of mediocrity. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I mean, that it honestly, that should be a protest to the team, right? Like if anything, you're helping the team by doing that because there is, there, I just do not understand how one can straight up look at it, look at their fans, right. And say, Hey, we're not going to make an attempt to win the ultimate goal of an NFL season. We're going to continue to just be this average, below average, to be honest, football team that is going to be 6-12 and 12 every season, or 6-10 and 10 every season, 6-11 and 11 every season, because we choose to have a below average quarterback playing, our, 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 I mean, playing with us right now. So, I mean, it really is just, I mean, it's, 
it's sad. And I mean, I feel bad for, for Giants fans as a whole, I guess. But I mean, at this point, there's nothing else I can really say to do for them other than just, hey, you need to go find another team. We totally understand. I'm not going to blame you at all because this is yeah. a football team that's not going to win. And I, you know, I don't, I don't want any fan to just suffer through. I, I mean, like how you do it so long well with the with San Diego Chargers, suffer through so much pain and suffering. That's not fun. And I mean, you're in not, fairness, you're not I didn't go this. through that much suffering. Like I, I came yeah. into the fandom during the best four year run in the history of the Chargers, so I didn't do that much suffering. But if I, the past six years would have been brutal to have still been a Chargers fan. Like sticking through it for the last six years, I, I jumped off at a good time because the Chargers, what, they won the one playoff game against Lamar Jackson and haven't made the playoffs since. Right. Yeah. Now I get that. Um, it, it is just, it is just really bad <laughs> uh, yeah, for the Giants, I guess. And, and it's not, it, there's no sign of it getting better. So why are you going to waste your time and, and stay around, you know? And uh, so I don't know. Uh, it's it, also it it's a losing situation. I think one of the things we've talked about before, because we've done the podcast where we like ranked all the AFC teams from like one to 16. Um, the thing is, it's just the sheer mass of teams that have been bad for like like really long times. Like I know back in the day, like the Arizona Cardinals made like one playoff appearance in 30 years or the saints made one playoff appearance in 30 years back in like the eighties and nineties and stuff. But like, I can point to it now and there's so many teams like this, like it's, it's close to 30% of the league has this kind of tortured, right. tormented reality. And I don't think that ever was the case where I can go through a third of the league who like hasn't won a playoff game in like 15 to 20 years or hasn't won more than one playoff game in 15 to 20 years. Right. Yeah. And um, I, honestly, I think, I think a good question to ask and try, and try to figure out all these next couple of seasons is, is that a problem with how bad these teams are? Or is it just the fact that the other teams are just so good? Right. Cause I really don't know. It is a tough question to answer. Uh, I could see an argument being made for, for both of them, uh, for both of those cases. So I'm not too sure. But at, at the end of the day, I mean, something's not working. And these bad teams, the Jaguars, the Jets, the Lions, uh, you know, they're going to have to figure out a way to reverse these, reverse it around. Good news is you, you can't lose you can't lose all hope because the Browns did it. The Browns managed to do it, right? They found a way. They did it. I don't know how they did it, but they did it, all right? <laughs> so it – not all hope is lost with with uh you know yeah. with um with these teams, but I mean it's certainly not looking good, <laughs> right? Like it's not looking promising by any means. So uh, even I don't the Browns, really like don't. the the Browns are in year four now of like post you know when they had the the stretch where they didn't win a game for two years, they won one game, but it was on a a missed field goal by the Chargers at the end. So like I say, they won zero games, but. This is year four coming to an end for the Browns. And they've had, what, three missed playoffs and one win against the Steelers to hold on to for all of that. Like, it does take one. It, it just takes one to break the cycle. Like the Bills, it just took Brandon Bean and drafting Josh Allen to break the cycle. But... It, uh, it sometimes you can go in that cycle for a long, long time. And even when it feels like it's not as bad as it used to be, like with the Raiders, 
where the Raiders were like the Jets for 10 years and now they're like seven and nine every year for 10 years. Like even when you break the cycle, it's still so hard to get there. And to the point you said before about why it's happening now, I think it is a combination of both. And if I were to argue it, I'd argue it's the sheer mass of teams now that there's 32 teams instead of 20 teams in the NFL and the, the success of teams at the top, that the teams at the top are doing it so well and so smart that they can run divisions and conferences for 15 years, like the Patriots and the Kansas City Chiefs, the fact that those and, and the Steelers, the fact that those teams exist, I feel like is a big part of the reason why this is happening now in the NFL. And I'll throw the Packers in there too, because the Packers have been really good for 15 years. Right. Yeah, uh, it, it, it is. It is crazy. And honestly, I mean, it, it, I do think the good, the good part of this and what we can look towards is more of a positive side of things, I guess, is this does create kind of an underdog mentality for all these teams. And we do start to see, fans start to root for these teams and whenever they're good it is a lot better so it, it is more rewarding to get these teams whenever they go through better days of course but it just feels like we are starting to see a time now where it is getting further and further away from looking like that's possible for these teams right and it is it, it is it's just crazy to see that being the case i mean i, I would have never imagined it um being this far away from from promise <laughs> i don't know um but <laughs> for like I mean, 12 teams we, we are too. See, we just saw jaguars draft what many considered to be one of the best quarterbacks of all time in nfl draft and they look further away from their playoff hopes than what they did last year which is insane but sure nonetheless like it is it is crazy um and i i just i i, I worry <laughs> i worry for uh for fans like that because that is that sucks. That really does. Yeah. And this is the, this is the weird part about it is like, if you're Jacksonville, if you're Washington, if you're the giants, if you're Carolina, if you're the Denver Broncos Raiders, even the chargers to a certain extent, uh, Jaguars, the jets, Miami, <laughs> so many teams that's had the bears and the lions. Like it's been so, so long. Even Minnesota hasn't been to a super bowl in 40 years, but they've, they've been like kind of okay in this stretch. So it's, it's just so weird that it's been so long. And I think like you can point to a few key events that turn the tide there, but it's, it's so weird that it just always ends up happening that way. And I don't know. Maybe like it's for better. Like we talk about parody in sports, but maybe it's not supposed to be parody. Maybe parody is less and less a thing in this new mutated version of sports where they're gigantic corporations and every team is worth billions of dollars and they hugely profitable ventures. Like maybe, maybe parody isn't something that matters or parody is something that should exist. Maybe it should be unfair. Maybe the same teams should be dominating at the top. Like it's, it's just rethinking everything that we thought we knew growing up 20 years and learning history of sports and all that weird stuff. Like maybe all this stuff is changing right in front of our eyes. And, you know, Miami's never going to be able to get the same luck that the chiefs and the Patriots and the dolphins, even the Patriots, but are the chiefs were still bad for like 20 years before Andy Reid got there. Like it, even they right. were a weird exception too. 
Right. Yeah. I mean, it's not all doom and gloom for all teams. Like there are teams out there who do have bad seasons and they come and bounce back. But the teams I'm talking about are, you know, teams I've, I've talked about the last couple of times, like I mean, even because like kind of the Bears are kind of getting into that area now where they're going to be consistently really bad. The Jets, the Jaguars, the Lions, those teams have not found success in forever. I mean, you could even list my team, the Bengals, on there. I mean, it's been a long time since we've had true success. We haven't won a playoff game in several years. Uh, they're decades, <laughs> yeah. really. So, I mean, it's it's not just – it's not. I mean, I, I'm kind of having the same issue, I guess. So, I mean, it's not just – just one thing that's going on and it's a combination of, of a lot of things and these teams are just not finding success for some reason and i would love to see a way for it to turn around and and work for these teams but we just haven't seen that yet and um i i, I think that once we I, these next five years are important i want to see how these things transpire the next five years because there are chances the jets the jaguars the giants they were let's just say jets and jaguars for now maybe even lions there are chances they turn around. They have a lot of picks, a lot of cap space. A lot can happen these next five years. I need to see how this happens in the next five years because if they still are bad after this, then if you're a fan of that team, I mean, it's there's no hope at that point, right? It, it's over. Like, I mean, this is this is the most they're going to have for a long time, right? And if, if they can't get better now, they're going to be mediocre forever. Well, is that just because they the Jaguars lucked their way into a Jalen Ramsey that they could then trade for all those picks, or the Jets lucked their way into Jamal Adams who they could trade for all those picks? Because I remember when the Jamal Adams trade happened last year, it was during the pandemic, and I'm like, they will not see a player at least at that position as talented as Jamal Adams for 15 years. Maybe at any position, they will not see a player as talented as Jamal Adams come back to their team. So is it just the fact that they lucked into all those picks and players or the giants like got lucky because the bears were more dumb than them in trading up to get Justin Fields. And they give up basically like the 20 pick and the seven pick in next year's draft. Is it kind of like that over again? Kind of, I guess, but I mean, I, I don't know if I'd call that luck more or less. It's just the fact that they managed to get a pretty solid player that they could have traded for good assets, you know? Um, but yeah, I, I, I guess I can, I guess I can go with that. That, that is understandable um, in, in terms of like, hey, this is a, I mean, they, they managed to get a good player. They, they flipped him to get a lot more picks to hopefully get better players. They're making attempts to go out there and get good, uh, you know, good players. I mean, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say that these teams aren't trying to get better. I don't want, I don't want to like be misunderstood whenever I say that. I'm just yeah. saying that whatever they're trying hasn't worked and they're not trying anything else, right? Like you need to try something else. You need to do whatever you can to get better. I like the Lions approach. I will say the Lions approach right now, even the Texans right now, both of their approaches have been really good. Literally trade everyone you have away, get all picks, sign low end free agents, see which ones are good. Keep those guys, let everyone else walk and then draft with your thousand picks in the NFL draft. I love that approach. And I would do that if I'm the football team right now. Um, that's where I think people should go. Um, and right now, uh, I really only think of the um, the Lions and the Texans being those teams that are doing that. Jets are kind of heading towards that direction, though. That I do think they are still holding on to some veteran players. They try to make some some key signings this offseason that just haven't really worked out for them. So there are still some some parts there where it didn't necessarily work out. But I do think that there are some teams heading towards that direction, and I want to see how that direction goes because we saw it work for the Dolphins. We saw it work for the Browns. It can work for those teams, too, and I think that's where they need to head if they want to really reverse uh, and have success later on. 
I'll throw out another team that it's working even better for them than it did for those other two teams, which is the Philadelphia Eagles. Philadelphia Eagles yeah. said, we're going to, we're going to dump Carson Wentz and we're going to lose for basically two seasons. Like that. If you count last year as one of those seasons where they kind of gave up on Carson partway through and like kind of, you know, said to hell with Doug Peterson, we're, we're just going to reset right now. Uh, and not wait two years like the New York Giants are doing. Um, we're going to reset everything now and get first round pick for Carson Wentz, uh, get a second uh, or get two first round picks for our draft pick last year and trade, you know, Jalen Waddle for Devonta Smith, which if I asked you right now, would you rather have Jalen Waddle or Devonta Smith? Like, what would you say? <laughs> Waddle. Yeah. So then you would take Waddle over Smith but the Eagles also get the Dolphins first round pick this year. And so it's like, right. okay, we're going to have yes. three first round picks and we're going to go eight and seven, even though it's a fraud eight and seven and Jalen hurts. Isn't actually that good. It's still eight and right. seven. And we have three first round picks this year. Right. Yes. Uh, the, the, the Eagles approach has been fantastic. It's a great example. And I actually want to say I was wrong on the Eagles. And I don't normally say that a lot. I was wrong with the Philadelphia Eagles and their approach. I did not like the idea of drafting Jalen Hurts and using him as their franchise quarterback for the next couple of years. I really thought that was a poor decision on their part, and I didn't think it would work out. This is absolutely the right decision for several reasons, because one, Jalen Hurts hasn't necessarily proven that he's not a franchise quarterback. You know, he could still technically be their guy right now with how well he's been playing Ooh, the last couple of weeks. I mean, he, I disagree. I know it's bold. I know it's bold, but I mean, this is a football team that is currently in the playoffs, right? With a, I would say a pretty poor roster right now, you know? And this is, I mean, if, if they are able to find success and, and work with Jalen, with Jalen Hurts with a rebuilding football team, now this, I, granted, is a very, very poor division in the NFC uh, or at the bottom half of the NFC. So I should mention that. But at the same time, this is, this is a team that is currently already in the playoff picture right now with, with their team being rebuilt. Imagine how it could be after with these after this next draft, whenever they have a lot more cap space, a lot more picks. Jalen Hurts is on a rookie contract right now, and that's such a big key. It's not even on a first-round rookie contract. It's on a later-round rookie contract. So they are saving a lot of money at the quarterback position right now. They have a lot of cap space they can use to attack other positions. If they can get a pretty good offensive line, if they can get a good scheme for Jalen Hurts for it to work, this could work. Now, Jalen Hurts is not going to be a top 15 quarterback in the NFL, not necessarily, but I think the Eagles could be an example of a team that does not have to have a great quarterback to find success. And Jalen Hurts is a perfect quarterback for that, I think. Well, the Eagles one that I, that ends up every time people say like, wow, the Eagles are a playoff team. I'm like, yeah, Washington was also a playoff team last year and we know they're That's not fair. actually good. And the Eagles this year have won games against the Falcons, the Panthers, the Lions, the Broncos, the Saints with, uh, I think that was a Trevor Semyon game. Uh, the Jets, Washington, the Giants. That is all of their wins this season. That is all of their wins is against those teams. And the best team that I listed there is probably the Saints with Taysom Hill, who's not a playoff team. So they literally have not beaten a playoff team this year. They're eight and seven and somehow have not beaten a single playoff team in the NFL this year, which is just a weird like fluke. That's how the schedule worked out for them kind of thing this year. So they just happen to play teams. They happen to get nine games against non-playoff teams and have happened to beat every single one of them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, granted it has been easier for them. Right. But I'm not going to, um, 
I still, I still guess, I guess, I still want to kind of credit uh, Jalen Hurts and the Eagles for what has oh, happened this year, yeah. considering how bad of a, uh, I think, offensive place calling scheme they have right now. They've made do with not a lot, I think. Uh, and, and I do want to, I do want to give, uh, I guess, I guess, some credit to that because they're they're at least beating the bad teams, right? And there are some teams out there that can't even beat the bad teams right now. I mean, we yeah. just saw the Cardinals. I, I thought, <laughs> no, I thought the line. Philadelphia Eagles were going to be like last place in the division by leaps and bounds in the NFC East. Like I thought they might be tanking. I wasn't sure because I didn't think Jalen Hurts was a franchise quarterback because he wasn't a highly graded prospect in the first place. And like you said, they don't really have a talented roster, but I did. I thought they were going to be really bad this year and they've beaten the teams that I thought would be slightly better than them. Right. Yep. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think for a team like the Eagles, there is there's promise in in working with without having the elite quarterback necessarily, you know. Um, but I, I guess uh, I I don't know. I, I guess I need to see next year too and and see because I mean three first round picks, the amount of cash they have right now, you can go out and get a quarterback too and be very very successful with a new quarterback. That is certainly possible. I just really think right now. Uh, you look at the other needs they have on their football team, they have a lot of needs. And this is still a team that is managing to win football games right now, which I just can't help but be impressed by. Like, this is a team that you you look at as, as maybe a, a better version of the Texans, where it's like literally just take the best player available with any of the picks you've got right now, and it'll work because they need help at literally every single position in football. And somehow, some way, I mean, they're beating these bad teams and they are doing good without even stars. They don't even have stars in their team. Like, I mean, Who's the best player on the Eagles? Would you say Darius Slay? Yeah. If you ask me a second one, I'd say Fletcher Cox. If you ask me a third one, I got nothing. I got nothing for a third one. Yeah, I mean, even then, though, I mean, like, how much of difference makers have they been this season? I personally don't know. Um, it's interesting. I don't know. It, it's, it's really interesting. I, I think that this is – there is uh, – there is promise for, uh, for for the Eagles because I mean they are making do with with a, a bad roster right now and and they can get a lot better this offseason. You know? Yeah, I, they have a bunch of different options and it's it's weird because they have like depth of names that I know, but none of the names like pop off the screen. And I feel like they're you know they're not a great team, but it's been a great run for them so far. The part that I would push back on is Jalen Hurts is. Uh, they kind of got Jalen Hurts is like, yeah, he's going to be what he is. But for what is it like one point six million dollars a year when they're paying like a thirty seven million dollar dead cap hit for Carson Wentz this year? Like it's kind of an interesting bridge option because, like you said, so many options are going to be available after the season for them because they basically just took a dive this year and said, we're going to have to punt on a season to make up for our Wentz mistake, which I don't know if Jeffrey Lurie's a good owner or not, but the part of like not being complacent when you make mistakes, like the franchises we were talking about before, like they were willing to be like, we'll punt on this now and then see what happens down the road. And they still miraculously have managed to win like eight games this year. And seems like a well-done job. Like seems like a well-run organization, but I don't know whether Jeffrey Lurie is good or not because of what happened with Doug Peterson and the fallout there. But it seems like the Eagles kind of have this figured out. It seems like the Texans who like 
that we don't, they've been poorly run, but they also won like five division titles in a row. They basically said, all right, we're just going to stink for three years. And that's how we're going to turn things around. It's just, we've acknowledged our mistakes. We're going to stink for three years and we're going to try and reset everything again and just restart in a few years. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, I mean, I understand the argument and I wasn't trying to say Jalen Hurts is a good enough quarterback to be a franchise guy. I just think that Jalen Hurts, they could find success. They are finding success right now with a poor roster. Jalen Hurts, a quarterback, if they got a good roster first. I think what I was what I was trying to say was the Eagles this year could take an approach where they get a really, really good roster around Hurts to see how well they perform next year. And if it works, they keep Hurts and continue to try to build like this. But if it doesn't work, they look towards the draft and get a quarterback next year because next year is a lot better of a class. So I, I think that is there's a chance that they can find success with Jalen Hurts at quarterback if they build a really, really good roster around him because Jalen Hurts without a good roster right now has been pretty solid. And even though I don't think he's a great quarterback, like how you were saying, I agree with that. Uh, I, I think that they can find success with that quarterback. So the best example I can think of is maybe a team like – what's a good football team that have poor quarterback? <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay I mean, what quarterback do i want to take a shot at here who do i want to take a shot at here uh 49ers I was gonna say joe flacco but i don't know i don't think joe flacco is terrible joe flacco was at 49ers. least serviceable yeah okay we, we, we can use we can use jimmy garoppolo as an example we can use jimmy garoppolo as an example if, if you get a really good defense and a really good roster around uh, a football team like how the 49ers have jimmy garoppolo there, there's a chance that, you know, you could find success through that. And and, and I really I, – I think that I don't want the Eagles to – I guess for me, I'm worried that the Eagles making a mistake and putting all their eggs in the basket for a top-tier rookie quarterback in this class and it not working out and then having to delay the rebuild for another five years because we are seeing them success, have success right now. And I would like to continue that with the quarterback that they have right now and just trying to find good people around them to put around uh, the roster. Um, but I don't know. The, the Eagles are definitely in one of the more unique positions in football because I don't remember the last time I've seen them, a team, and it's happened twice already with the Texans as well. I haven't seen a team try to use their second or third round rookie to be their future quarterback whenever I definitely knew that that was not going to be the case for that quarterback, right? Uh, yeah, so like they don't, they don't even pretend. They don't even pretend like they're trying to compete. They're like, we're going to trot this guy out here and we're going to see what they have and – put him in the best position to succeed, even if it's an impossible situation for Davis Mills or Jalen Hurts to be in. Like, we're just going to try it. And if it doesn't work, we're only paying like a million dollars a year for the quarterback position. So so, so second and third round quarterbacks are guys that literally I just kind of look at and I'm like, this is a guy that's going to sit for a long time, right? And learn behind the system. And if he able, is able to flash or the quarterback gets hurt, he steps in and then you get to see what you want from him. You get to see his potential and potentially, you know, you could see him in practice to see if he maybe outperforms his starting quarterback later on a couple of years down the line and then takes over, right? But Jalen Hurts and Davis Mills, I mean, these are guys that are instantly like, hey, go out there. Let's see what you got. Let's see if you can be our franchise quarterback, which for a second and third round pick or or really just a third round pick, I guess, because I think both of them were third round picks, right? Maybe Hertz was second. Hertz was sure. uh, Hertz um, was middle of the second round. I think he was like pick forty eight or something. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I mean, just to, just to see that from 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 these two quarterbacks, which were two quarterbacks that I personally said these guys need to sit. They need to learn. They need to sit. They need to. They 
have raw talents. They do have places where they can be successful. Uh, you know, Davis Mills, I think, has a, a, a very solid arm. He has pretty good accuracy, but he needed to learn to read the NFL-level defenses, obviously, because Davis Mills was playing against pretty easy opponents in college, and he, you know, had reads where it was – I mean, it was almost a one-read system, right, where his receiver is getting open off one read. He can make that pass. It was easy. So he needed to improve uh, on being able to read on NFL defenses, and I thought that needed to – time for him to sit and we can see that even now we, we see him struggle with doing that when he throws a lot of interceptions in games um i i really think we need to see him improve on that obviously jalen hurts had a lot of question marks coming into the draft he was mainly reliant on his legs he kind of still is even now uh, a lot of problems with accuracy uh, doesn't have the best deep ball and he's just not really a, a passing cat really passing quarterback but yeah, yet again, the Eagles throw them out here like we're going to make a scheme around Jalen Hurts. Let's see how this works. And now all of a sudden they're one of the more dominant rushing teams in the NFL, despite them hardly giving the ball to the running back. <laughs> so uh, I don't know. It's it's for, for the Eagles, it's worked out more so than the Texans. But this is an approach that is new to me, but I really like it. I don't know why. I just think they're heading in the right direction right now, both of those teams. And I'm interested to see where they go at quarterback if they continue to try to roll with Davis Mills and Jalen Hurts or they look to find somewhere else to go with. I personally think what they should both both what most people what both teams should do first is go out and find good talent around the quarterback, and then if you don't succeed like how the Daniel Jones and Giants did, then you look to get a quarterback after and build basically the team around the the quarterback around the team, not the team around the quarterback. I like that they're like not going through the retread quarterbacks anymore. Where like we know what they are at this point, they're at least like giving guys who might have a chance to to see what happens. Like even if right. there's no pressure, it's just like sink or swim on a lot of these quarterbacks, which is something I crushed the Browns for because the Browns did that with Deshaun Kaiser, where basically they just gave him a shit roster and were like, yeah, we're just going to draft you just cause put you at quarterback and lose, you know, 15 games with a tanking team. And that's kind of like, yeah, they kind of destroyed that guy's career before it ever had a chance. And, you know, maybe Deshaun Kaiser wouldn't have worked out anyways. And he just didn't have the, the skill set as a starter in the NFL or even a backup in the NFL now, because I don't think Deshaun Kaiser's on an NFL team, but it felt like something that was like gross and the dirty side of NFL then. And now I look at this and I'm like, Oh, there are ways this can work out. I think with the right quarterback taken in the second or third round. Yeah. They're not as talented as the quarterbacks that we know are at the top of the draft and no one really has a role for them other than being backups. It's interesting to see them try. Like I, I, I'm with you that this is an interesting strategy that these teams are going for, even if they don't view Jalen Hurts or Davis Mills as long-term options. It's still interesting to see them get the chance to develop. Yeah, uh, yeah, I guess so. That's certainly true, and, and I agree. That's I guess that's what I was I was trying to say. Like, not all all hope is lost for either Davis Mills or Jalen Hurts to somehow break out and become a low-end caliber starter for a football team like I can see that being the case there there's there's 32 stars in the NFL I would only say 18 plus of them I would consider to be great or a good starters that you can build a team around right yeah quarterback the rest of them are just kind of low-end right yeah the rest of them are gonna be low-end caliber starters that means that there's gonna be at least 14 NFL teams are not going to have a quarterback that you can build around right and the Eagles and the Texans are in that position where they're one of those 14 teams that quite you know easily do not have a quarterback that is going to be able to be a difference maker for a team and so 
rather than going out and risking the chance to try to get one of those other 18 quarterbacks by trying to either draft or sign a guy, I think it's smarter to just try to make try to get a team that is so good around them, like exactly how the 49ers do with Jim, Jimmy Garoppolo. They went out and got Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't think he was expected to be one of those quarterbacks that you built around. They didn't try to build around them. They really built the, they built the quarterback around the team, not the team around the quarterback, and that worked beautifully for them. They made, the, of course, the playoffs or the Super Bowl the first first year with Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, I, I really first think if, full if you can find a way Jimmy to do Garoppolo. that. Correct, yes. Yeah. Uh, but if you can if you can um, build a great team around Jalen Hurts and Davis Mills and and just see what they got, and if it doesn't work, then you go out and get either a veteran or a rookie quarterback, and that fits the team well and can work with the team, then all of a sudden I think you're in a lot better position. So I my my – my viewpoint of this has kind of changed after a while. It's definitely, definitely changed. If you listen to the previous podcast, I would have probably told you that, you know, build the build the team around the quarterback because the quarterback is the most, most important position in football right now. But at the same time, if, if you see, I, I, I'm starting to realize, I guess, that you can definitely find a way to build the team around the quarterback around the team, not the team around the quarterback for certain guys. And the Eagles and Texans are heading down that road right now. I'm excited to see where it goes. I want to see if it works. And if it does work, it's going to be exciting because it's going to be a very unique way of rebuilding for some teams. And I think it can work out for some. I play it on a case by case basis, which is build the team. You should build the team around the quarterback if you have the quarterback. If you have. Like uh, Kyler Murray's contract is coming up this offseason. I'm like, yeah, Kyler Murray get 45 million a year. You build around that quarterback because you know he's that special. Josh Allen, build around him for sure. But if you don't have one of those guys, play it case by case. Like, I'm not going to be the person who tells the Rams build around Jared Goff because it was super smart for them to trade two first round picks and Goff to get Matthew Stafford. Like, take the cap hit and give up two first-round picks to get Matthew Stafford, that was a really smart decision by the Rams. And I I wouldn't argue the same case there where, yeah, you figure out how to build around Jared Goff in that way. So if you have the quarterback, build around the quarterback. If you're one of the other 24 teams, let's get creative. Let's get spontaneous. Let's see what our options are and see what we can do with it. Yeah, no, that's that's a great point because it, it would be different. A team that is going to rebuild the first overall pick in the NFL draft is going to do it a lot differently than a team like the Texans and Eagles, right? Because they're going to have a chance to go out there and get a guy that could be the one of those great quarterbacks that you can build your team around, right? Like the Bengals built around Joe Burrow. The Jaguars are going to build around Trevor Lawrence. The Jets are going to build around Zach Wilson. That's how that works because they have top picks to get top-end talent quarterbacks, right? The Eagles and the Texans are somehow just – they're not good enough to be successful teams, or they're not bad enough to be teams that are going to have a top five pick in the NFL draft either. The Texans will, I guess, but um, I guess they're not bad enough to really be able to get a top in quarterback in this class, in a class, right? I guess that's what I should say. So, what how what are you going to do instead? You're going to acquire a lot of picks, like the Texans and Eagles have both done, and are going to go out and get a lot of talent in, in other parts of the field, whether it's defense, offensive line, wide receiver, any of those positions and stack up on those until you have a chance where you have enough cap space or have a good enough draft pick to where you find a quarterback you know can fit your team really well and know is good enough to be successful with your team. And you say, hey, we're going to take you, we're going to groom you into being our friend, our system quarterback. They're going to acquire a system quarterback that can work out for their roster. And I think it could work for those teams. And I want to see what quarterback they go after. 
Um, if, if they choose to stay with Jalen Hurts and Davis Mills, which is I'm not leaving at the possibility of that happening, but I think they could probably get better options elsewhere. Um, I, I'm interested to see how that goes. And it, it makes me excited because I don't know where they can go. We don't really have an idea like, hey, uh, the Jaguars are going to have Trevor Lawrence. We, we understood that <laughs> a year b- before, uh, you know, they even got him. Uh, we understood that, hey, the Bengals are going to have a first overall pick. It's going to be Joe Burrow uh, a long time ago. We don't know the direction other teams are heading right now. Um, you know, a, t- a team like the Texans and Eagles. We know Washington's probably going to go out and try to find a, a quarterback. We know um, those teams are going to go out and find a quarterback. We don't know the Texans or, or, or Eagles are going to do yet. And they don't have to choose yet. They can, they, can, they can choose to put this problem down the road because they have two bridge quarterbacks that are young and have potential in Davis Mills and Jalen Hurts. Yeah, and and Washington, I like that you brought that up because it reminds me of the joke where Ron Rivera gets on the phone like Brad Pitt in Ocean's Eleven. He's like, we're putting together a team. Are you in or are you out? And on the other side of the line is Matt Ryan. And he's like, are, are you sure? <laughs> For one more ride? <laughs> and yeah, this is the fun part about this now where all the math is changing is that when in the past is Jimmy Garoppolo ever available? Like, sure, Carson Palmer went from the Bengals to the Cardinals, and Peyton Manning had neck surgery and was available as a free agent. But, like, in the past, like, 20 years, like, when is Aaron Rodgers available? When is Russell Wilson available? When is even Jimmy Garoppolo available? When is Matt Stafford available for trade? When is Carson Wentz available for trade? When is even Deshaun Watson available for trade in the last 20 years? Like, all of the math is changing and there's so many different options for teams to, to choose from. Yes. Yeah. And, and I, I think that this might be where we see kind of the league go because we're seeing a lot of teams overpaying for quarterbacks that are not, you know, going to lead them to Super Bowl. All teams are looking to go to the Super Bowl. They're looking for their own Mahomes. That's what I've been saying for so many years now. Every team's looking for their own Mahomes. And if they don't get it, they overpaid for him. They're losing football games. They're not working. They're going to look to trade him, release him, do whatever they can to get rid of him, right? We're seeing that a lot right now. We're seeing it with, um, you know, we're, we're granted, every case is very unique. Of course, Deshaun Watson would probably still be a Texan uh, had it not been the issues with him not wanting to be there anymore, uh, off the field issues, you know, <laughs> obviously he is good enough to be a, a the Texans franchise quarterback, but um, for, for other guys like Carson Wentz, the Eagles realized, hey, Carson Wentz is, is not working out here or overpaying him a lot of money. Let's get rid of him. Um, the the, the you know, Patriots, they had a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo. They were like, hey, he's our backup right now. We have Tom Brady. Let's get rid of him and look to get somewhere, get him somewhere else. Uh, that was one picks, I forgot you know? too. When the hell in the history of the NFL has Tom Brady ever been available as a free agent? And everyone's just like, nah, we're good. And then he goes to Tampa and wins right. the Super Bowl. Like, when has that ever happened? Yeah. Uh, it's it's a new era where we, we are seeing a lot of quarterbacks move now. And I think it's I think the big reason why is because other quarterbacks want to move. They want to go elsewhere and be successful elsewhere because a big reason, a big thing nowadays is, is it the quarterback or is it the head coach, right? That's always the argument. And quarterbacks want to go out and prove, hey, I can be successful with other teams too, not just uh, not, not just the, uh, uh, the, the team that I'm on, right? Like they want to go out and prove that they are good enough with other teams. Of course, other teams are going to throw them a lot of money. They're going to build a roster around them. It's going to be basically a fun reset. Like if, if you're a, if, if it's always fun, like if you're a head coach on Madden, if you, you win so many Super Bowls with one roster, you're like, hey, I'm going to go to another team and rebuild it again because it's fun, right? For a quarterback, I can see the same scenario being made for Tom Brady. He's like, hey, I want to go to the Texans. 
rebuild this team that's been bad for so long and then all of a, come, all of a sudden become another dynasty in the NFL, right? Like, he went out and did that. And teams are going to be enticed uh, or other players are going to be enticed to go out and do that. We're going to see Aaron Rodgers potentially leave after this season because he doesn't want to be in Green Bay anymore. We're going to see Russell Wilson potentially leave from, from the Seahawks because he really doesn't want to be there anymore. These are good football players that are going to leave. Good football teams to go out and try to give these other teams a chance, right? And if I'm one of these teams that are on the lower end of things, I'm going to be like, hey, come here. I'll give you whatever you want to come here try to reset this team because we need to be better, right? If we want our fans to be excited, we need to be good. That would be best-case scenario for the Giants. They can just somehow figure out a way to go out and get one of these quarterbacks. That could be the driving force and helping reverse the, the problems this team has had for so long. But I, it just doesn't look like they're going to do that now. Uh, to kind of come full circle, I guess, in, in that. But for other teams like the Texans, the Jaguars, you could do that, but you don't have to. Uh, because, or, sorry, not Jaguars, Texans and Eagles. You could go out and get one of those guys, but you also don't have to because you have a set of quarterback that you can rely on as a current bridge guy, like how Jalen Hurts and Davis Jones have been. You know, bringing it all the way back to what we were talking about before, I just saw the news that Carson Wentz is now uh, – He's now uh, on, I think, on the COVID list and is unvaccinated, so he's not going to play. Uh, and this is again the whole part of this, which is like, yeah, the Colts have uh, the Colts have pretty much clinched a playoff spot, and also they might let the Raiders into the playoffs. And all of this is very weird and random. So as much as we we talk about like they won one playoff game in twenty years, it's like, well, now all of this is just totally random because now Carson Wentz is done there. Um, Carson Wentz is a great example because he switched teams in a weird way this off season. And now he's like maybe a top 15 quarterback again, but no one knows. Cause it's just the Carson Wentz experience. That's absolutely weird and chaotic, but yeah, I I'm interested to see what teams do to try and like, and it plays into what we were talking about before with those teams that just kind of sit there stagnantly, like the giants where they just don't even try. <laughs> They're just like, yeah, we're just, we're good with what we have. We're not even going to try to get one of these options. We're just going to sit tight and just keep with Joe judge and Daniel Jones and the bears giving up two first round picks for Justin Fields. Now they don't even get to participate in this off season. And it's all weird. And <laughs> only so many teams can succeed. So it'll be interesting to see how that works out. And for players switching teams, it's like, well, if a team has used all of its resources, why do you need to stay there and just be terrible? If you're Russell Wilson, like they've, they've used all their cap space. They've used all their draft picks. Like we're, we're just going to be terrible. We can't improve the team. We're just going to be seven and nine. So we could either move on or we could stay together and just ride out these seven and nine stretches and just, you know, we'll all collect our money and, We'll miss the playoffs. Maybe we'll make the playoffs every now and then, but we've kind of exhausted every resource we have. And so the option is just everyone kind of moves on. So I, I really think going seven to nine, or in this case, like seven and 10, eight, nine, those yeah, records. I guess are I have to, I have to get better at that. I'm still used to saying seven and nine, even though you can't go seven and well, actually the Steelers are going to go seven and nine this year, but it's you have to have a tie to go seven and nine. So I, I, yeah, whatever it is, eight and nine or seven and 10 or whatever. Hello. Are you there? Sorry. Yeah. It lagged a bit. I'm sorry. I don't know if I interrupted you or not. Uh, You stopped speaking for me. So I started talking, Uh, but 
what, what I was going to say, I'm sorry. Uh, teams that are finishing in, in those areas, like eight and nine, seven and 10, like you say, for the Steelers, seven and nine, um, th- those are, those are going to be, that's the worst case scenario now on any football team, right? You, you either want to have a season where you're in the playoffs or you want to be at the top of the draft, you know, either of those ways are, are, are where you want to be uh, right now. You don't want to continue to have these seven to nine bad seasons. Right. And um, I, I just really think if, if we could, if they could find a way for teams like the Eagles and Texans, you could find a way to just have so many picks to where that really doesn't matter what you finish in the, NFL, in the draft order, um, then things can be changed. But um, if you're any NFL team, you either want to be really, really good or really, really bad. You don't want anywhere in between, right? Like you don't want to be mediocre or a ride out a seven to nine season. And if I'm an NFL coach, I'm going to do whatever I can to fix that. Now, the problem is if you're, if you're a coach or a GM, you, you don't want to, they're not being convinced to be bad. Like they don't want to tank because obviously it's going to make them get fired or it's going to kind of cause their job. So a lot of these teams are content with going seven and nine, seven and 10, eight and nine. They're okay with uh, that. Minnesota because, Vikings, uh, Minnesota Vikings, right. uh, Minnesota Vikings. <laughs> because it's good enough, right? And it's good enough to keep your job. It's good enough for you to continue on. That's Marvin Lewis's literal, like that, that is how he kept his job for three decades, pretty much. It's just being mediocre for so long. Right. And that's not fun. You want to go out and be better. Uh, so I, I wish I wish there was a way for coaches can, to be like, hey, this is going to be a bad year for us. I want it to be bad. I need to reset this team, right? I, I just wish we could do that more often. But it seems like once coaches are more worried about creating sustainability and being average for so long than truly being bad and then creating a dynasty later on, right? Like the, any team, any coach that is going to be in the league for five plus years goes two and 15 on a season. They're getting fired that season. It's just not. It's just going to happen, right? So no team's going to go out and actually try to beat two and fifteen because they know if they're going to get fired. So therefore, they're going to keep the average players they have. They're going to do whatever they can to create to to be in a season where they're going to be average. I, I really, really wish there was a way for uh, teams to be able to be, understand that hey, we're not good enough to be a Super Bowl contender yet. So what are we going to do? We're either going to continue to try to retool until we find the roster we like, or we're going to blow it all up again and see what we can do next year uh, with a brand new roster. I understand it's a long process and fans normally don't always like it. It's, it's a tough decision, but I, I do really think that if, if I'm a head coach and I see that our team continuing to drive ourselves to a wall, then obviously you're going to take a different turn and find a different way to, to uh, get to the next level. It seems to be as simple as the, the way you turn around a team that's kind of caught in the middle is by finding generational talents and usually the only way to find generational talents is either through the draft or by trading draft picks for generational talents and it's kind of as simple as you have a better chance of drafting a generational talent the higher up in the draft that you are so if you're the vikings you can get justin jefferson with pick 22 and he looks like maybe a future hall of fame wide receiver you also gave up Stefan Diggs to make it happen, so it cancels it out a little bit. But you can do that, or you can go to the top of the draft and do it. You could be the Dallas Cowboys and get Micah Parsons at pick 10, or you could go to the top of the draft and have a better chance of getting a Nick Bosa or getting a Miles Garrett or getting a Joe Burrow or just getting lucky and finding one of those players instead. And 
sometimes you find a TJ Watt at pick 30. Sometimes you find a Lamar Jackson at 32 or a Darius Leonard at 36. It's possible. It's less likely, but it's still possible. And that's kind of just the dilemma that most teams find themselves in when you're not one of those eight elite teams that makes the playoffs almost every year. So this is, this is, it's a great example because getting a Micah Parsons or Justin Jefferson, those are few and far between, you know, they happen maybe two or three times every draft. Right. But for 26 teams who are picking outside of the top six, right. That, that you have a one in 12, 13 chance of that happening every year. And that is not odds you want to take in getting a generational player, right? Because it's, it's, it's very, very rare. You don't uh, like your happen. odds if that's what you're betting on to keep your job. <laughs> one in 12 right. is not great odds to protect your job. Exactly, exactly, yeah. Meanwhile, you have a top five pick in the NFL draft. Your odds all of a sudden go up from one in 12, which is what, like an 8% chance, to what is now going to be like probably a 60% chance where it is very, very likely that you hit on a generational talent. If you at least scout correctly and do everything you need to do, as long as you don't reach like how a team like the Raiders did whenever they got Alex Leatherwood at pick 15, right? Like as long as you don't do that. Or Solomon Thomas at pick three or Mitch Trubisky at pick two. As long as you don't bungle it. it's Even Daniel Jones. Like, I mean, all those, as long as you don't do that, you're fine. You can get a generational talent. You can get your Chase Young, your Nick Bosa, even even last year's draft, Jamar Chase, Kyle Pitts, generational talents. Those are all guys that can help change your football team and make them better. Cincinnati was so bad for so long because they always had pick 14, 13, 12. They were always getting mediocre, not generational talent players. Look what happened. Two, two straight drafts of having a top five pick. They get Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow, and now all of a sudden they're looking to be a playoff team. So that, that just changes so much by having two of those players added to your roster and then building around those two guys. A football, team, a football team really for the last several years has had to do that to be successful. They have had to have one of those seasons or they get really, really lucky where Somehow the, the Chiefs land uh, Patrick Mahomes at pick 12. Somehow the Ravens land Lamar Jackson at pick 31. You just can't rely on that, right? You just absolutely can't. The, the Patriots landed Tom Brady in the sixth round. You, you cannot. Aaron Rodgers you cannot, should have been the first pick and fell to pick 24. Right. You, you cannot do that if you're an NFL team. You cannot wait to rely on that to happen. You got to take the elite talent whenever you see the elite talent on the board. And that's why I, I really, really think uh, – teams like the the Giants and the you know and the Jaguars and the Jets they take a very very different approach to the rebuilding or the case that I love to laugh at the most is that the Carolina Panthers who we read the stat earlier on pace for three years in a row to have the seven pick the eight pick and the eight pick in three consecutive drafts and that is not a place that you want to live in when you're making your draft picks maybe you can trade up to get a better pick but I told Carolina this last year. I told actually said it back in 2019 when we did the rebuilding series there. I'm like, I hope those three wins of Teddy Bridgewater was worth not getting Trevor Lawrence because you should have just blown it up and tanked and they have exactly. it. Now they're irrelevant. Right. Yeah. No, the, the Panthers, the Panthers are, are one of those teams that had every single opportunity to create a, a new, I don't want to call it a dynasty, but to create a new, they could have been the team that has the brightest future in that division, right? Like they, they, in the NFC South, where everyone's like, hey, Panthers four or five years down the line, they're dangerous because they have 
Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields. They have uh, a good young roster around them full of elite level potential in their talent that they have because they could they, they could address the superstars. But what did they do? They went out, they signed Teddy Bridgewater, just as you mentioned. They won a couple extra games, had pick eight, pick seven, and ended up getting, uh, you know, uh, I forgot who they drafted, uh, J.C. Horn in the last year's draft or or the year before when they got Derek Brown and then that draft. Like, they could have had, had a Justin Herbert, a Joe Burrow, a – uh, to a Tiger Viola, I don't know if that's a great example, but they could have had a Trevor Lawrence, a Justin, Justin Fields. Herbert. They could have drafted just, just yeah. I mean, I, I, I said Justin Herbert, uh, Zach Wilson. They could have had one of those guys to build around if they had just lost a couple of more games. But they went out and tried to be mediocre to save their job. The coach did, and what did they do? It didn't even save their job for one. Also, made it where all of a sudden this rebuild is banging back up way farther down the line now where you have to probably suffer through a couple more years of Sam Darnold before you realize, hey, probably need to go and lose a couple of games to get a high draft pick, get a young quarterback that has potential. Yeah, that's kind of where they're at. And that's perpetual mediocrity. It takes years to figure out things that... It's the perfect I mean, example. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, yeah, I, I, Belichick always talked about the thing where it's like you always need to have foresight where you, it's better to be a year early than a year late. Uh, and so you see teams that are a year late, the giants are a year late. The Panthers are a year late. Like the foresight helps you set yourself in a better direction. And we're seeing like, we're, we're, it's like, we're watching it fail right in front of us. We're like, we see you're making the mistake. You don't have the foresight. And yet now we have to watch it happen. Like that's, that's where I was with the Steelers this year is like, we, I knew two years ago, Big Ben should have retired after tearing his elbow. Like, and now it's two years later. I'm like, there's nothing more that can be said other than they just didn't have foresight on moving on from Big Ben. Like, there's nothing else I can say about the situation that hasn't already been said. It's We knew what should have happened, and now it's two years later, and it hasn't happened. So what else can you say other than they're just doing it wrong? Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it's tough. Uh, it, it is tough, and and I want to I want to clarify when I say it is always so much harder to, to rebuild a football team than what I'm describing it as. Right, like I'm giving like step by step information of what to do. It's not a handbook. Everything's different. Every build's different. Everything's things change, right? And of course, there's individual players that maybe teams go after a certain pick. It, it just everything is so unique to each rebuild, which I love about the NFL, by the way, how everything is so unique. We normally see all basketball teams or baseball teams do the same thing over and over to try to just be better. But the NFL, every team attacks the, the rebuilding differently because they there are so many players and so many different aspects of the NFL that we just – that it, it's just so hard to create a constant when it comes to finding success in rebuilding football teams, right? And that's why everything's so much different in the NFL. So I, I would like to say it, absolutely everything is so, so unique. But – I just absolutely do not think a team that is remaining mediocre for so long can find a way to be successful down the line. It's just not going to happen. We, I, don't, I don't remember the last time. When is the last time you have seen a team go from like seven to nine to division winners the next season? I don't remember the last time I've seen that. We've seen a lot of times where, like you said, teams last in the division that are probably like what, five and 12. Uh, four and four and four and twelve, even four and thirteen, are going to turn around and become division winners because why? They're getting elite generational talent. But when is the last time we see the third place team, like seven to nine team, that is not the San Francisco 49ers, <laughs> uh, do that? It's because uh, or, or the Cardinals. I mean, Arizona. Cardinals. Well, I, I would uh, say from seven and nine to Super Bowl contender, like because 
right. I, the Cowboys have been doing it for like six years where they're like one year, they don't win the division. The yeah. next year they do. Then they don't. Yeah. Then they do. They've kind of <laughs> been that team, but that's because the NFC. That's not East the NFC there. East. Right. Yeah. It's not the NFC East. Cause that's just a, that's just a poor division. I don't know. Yeah. The, the Titans went from seven and nine every year and then they got Derrick Henry and now they go nine and seven every year or 11 and five. It's like, yeah. Okay. That's one where it's like, yes, they got Derrick Henry and now they're like, they're better than they used to be. It's like they used to be the team that always went seven and nine for four straight years. And now they're a team that goes 10 and six every year, or 11 and five and every year. They were one of those teams that got lucky with getting a generational talent later in the draft, which like we, we established is just very few and far between. Like it's something yeah. you can't not rely on. You cannot expect to get a Derrick Henry in the NFL draft picking pick nine or 10 every year. Or in their case, like 45. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they, they, they got I mean, Derrick Henry was literally a godsend for the Titans. Like, it was... And even still, the Titans can't win with Derrick Henry. Like, they got to an AFC championship, in fairness. Like, weird fluke upset of the Baltimore Ravens. Like, once every 10 years upset to make it happen. But they did technically make an AFC championship. So I'll give them credit there. Yeah. But I was no, also... I mean, I was and, also... I just had a joke here. I was talking to one of my friends back home and he totally forgot the Titans made an AFC championship two years ago. He's like, wait, the Titans were in the AFC championship. I'm like, yeah, it was only two years ago. <laughs> they were one game away from the Super Bowl. Right. Yeah. Uh, no, I remember that season only because of the bad blood Titans and the Ravens had after that. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I guess they kind of got like twice that the Titans did getting both Derrick Henry and AJ Brown in the second round, right? Like they got back to back which like I said, is something that as an NFL team rebuilding, you just cannot rely on that happening, right? Like you just can't bank on that. You're not going to get your own AJ Brown and Derrick Henry every single year until you're out of the draft. It is very, very hard to do that. And, uh, you know, even then they are, they are still struggling to even now win the division, right? Like, I mean, granted they've had injuries this year. It's been tougher for them this year, but they go out and get Julio Jones. He can't stay healthy. Uh, and, and now all of a sudden this Colts team who, May I mention had a couple of really poor years whenever they ended up getting, you know, pretty good solid draft picks. They got a lot of cat space to go out and get good players. They got Carson Wentz, who could be a quarterback they could build around. That was one of those guys that we kind of mentioned earlier that is maybe not good enough to be an elite level quarterback, but it's still good enough to be where if you have a good team around them, he can be successful, right? And that's exactly how it's been for them. They got Quentin Nelson, a star right, uh, right guard. They got Jonathan Taylor, who is now, I, I would say, second best running back in the league behind Eric Henry, obviously. Uh, you have these other star talents on, on a Colts team. They are starting to rebuild now. And all of a sudden, you see the Titans now struggling to even keep the first place lead in, in their division because of, you know, because of the Colts team is rising really quickly. So, I mean, even even with those hits that they had in the draft, it's just the fact that their roster has been so mediocre in the past. They were unable to take the next year and get to the Super Bowl or, or become a dominant team in, in the AFC before another team behind them started climbing up right after. And the part that we didn't, we it, it's kind of like forgotten because it's a little while ago, but the reason the Titans went seven and nine for four consecutive years was because they did the tanking thing. They had the number two pick in 2015 and number one pick in 2016 in back-to-back years. And they did the tanking thing to give themselves the foundational core of Taylor Luan, what was Jack Conklin, uh, Jeffrey Simmons. Uh, they, they set up that foundation with a lot of losing seasons before all of that began. So they did technically all of the things we're talking about. They tanked 
it got them into the middle and then they happened to draft a generational talent and that right. ended up exploding it for them in one magical run. Like the Titans have gone through the whole gamut of possibilities for rebuilding a team. Right. The, the, the Titans got really unlucky by going, like you said, from trying to draft generational talent to being mediocre, which is a, a very tough position to be at because usually generational talents can push you ahead of that marker where you're actually winning, you know, football games like how, you know, the Bengals are doing right now or, or teams like the Dolphins were doing after the, after they got a couple of really solid players in the draft. But, you know, I, I mean, I, I usually they could push you above that area, but if you're a team like a tight where you're, maybe you're drafting guys on the trenches more or less, maybe that's not putting you over uh, to the, to the great area or, or the good area of football teams. So you're stuck in these seven to nine positions, but then after that, they managed to, get lucky and then hit on the Derrick Henry's and AJ Browns of the world. Right. But also I would like to say, I do think every football team that wants to be successful has to worry about the trenches first and go to skill players after, because there's a, a much greater chance that you can hit on a running back or wide receiver, obviously a running back, but also wide receiver later on in the draft pick round two, round three, round four, there's a much greater chance you can hit on those guys than hitting on an offensive lineman that late, right? The offensive lineman need to be, it, it, I think absolutely ideally for a, for a team that's drafting generational talent, if you're going to draft a generational talent, I would need to go on the offensive line, at edge rusher, or at quarterback. Those are the three positions that I would worry about first, right? And then you worry about the skill positions later on because it's a lot more likely you can hit on those skill positions, like how the Titans did with Derrick Henry and A.J. Brown in second round. So at the same time, they might have gotten lucky. At the same time, I do also want to give them credit in saying that they went, they worried about the offensive and defensive line first in those generational talents when they, when they took the draft, when they went to the draft with early picks, those rounds. And then whenever they became mediocre, or, or okay of a football team, then they went after the skill position players, which are a lot more likely to hit. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the A.J. Brown point because I forgot they got him. So obviously Derrick Henry's like a Hall of Famer if he retires tomorrow, but A.J. Brown's been a huge piece of building that offense over the past few years. He's like a former Pro Bowl wide receiver, maybe two Pro Bowls. Yeah, there's one or two Pro Bowls at this point. And that's super helpful. It's what helped your team by getting A.J. Green in the draft and – that kind of worked out the same way there. Um, since we're talking about the Dolphins and the Titans, uh, yeah, just one Pro Bowl for for AJ Brown. I thought he had two, but since we're talking about those teams, would you like to make picks for the week? And uh, oh, of one course. of the games is Dolphins and Titans. <laughs> <laughs> I'm down. Let's do it. I forgot to mention also, we're recording this in the afternoon on Tuesday, so there are bowl games going on. Uh, we we right. didn't do any live coverage of the Birmingham Bowl between Houston and Auburn, and it's yeah, one of my regrets right here on the podcast that we didn't break into live coverage of the Birmingham Bowl, but <laughs> what can you do? Sometimes you miss out on things. <laughs> yeah, I, I've been watching it while we're recording this podcast a little bit right now. Auburn's up 1310. Um, that's, it's been a pretty entertaining bowl, and it's about a Houston has a ball right now, six minutes left. So it's kind of winded down there. Never doubt Dana Holgerson, who Dana Holgerson, my favorite, one of my favorite looks like games ever is that Dana Holgerson looks like he really enjoys playing poker at 6 a.m. in a sad casino. It's just, <laughs> it's, it's always on his face. It's just 6 a.m. casino for Dana Holgerson with a raspy voice and a cigarette hanging out of his mouth. And now he he kind of like had a good move. He it was weird when he moved from West Virginia to Houston, and now Houston's going into the Big Twelve, and it's like ah, this might have been a power move by Dana Holgerson to to go from West Virginia to Houston when he did. Yeah, uh, it, it kind of worked out for him though. I don't know if he was expecting that to happen whenever he originally joined. 
Yeah, turned out all right for for old Dana Holgerson. Anyways, uh, Dolphins are at the Titans. The Titans may have COVID issues, but Dolphins are at the Titans, and the Titans are three-point favorites for the first game of the week. And by the way, you're down two games on me with 10 to go. Oh, all right. The Dolphins have been the hottest team in football right now, which is crazy to say. Like, I mean, what, the fact that they went from one and seven to now eight and seven is insane. And they are now looking to potentially be in the playoffs. Um, the Titans, like you said, have a lot of COVID question marks right now, but you know, there, there is a chance that, you know, they still have AJ Brown. Uh, they, they still have, uh, you know, potentially a couple of, of solid enough players to where they're actually going to contend in this football game. Um, of course, no Derrick Henry still for the Titans. That does suck. If they ever had Derrick Henry, this would have been an easy Titans uh, cover in my eyes. But no Derrick Henry. So to roll with Deontay Foreman and Jeremy McNichols, uh, Don, Don, Dante Hilliard again, uh, kind of core running back. So this is a game that I think the Dolphins could win. They need to win. I'm going to pick Titans to cover and win this game, however, because I don't think the Dolphins are going to be able to pull it out just yet. I feel like a lot of the games that they have won so far have either been due to COVID protocols or playing against poorer teams right now. The Titans are on another level than what the Dolphins are kind of used to lately. And I still think the Dolphins still need to have – they still have a couple of problems on this team that I do notice, especially on the offensive side of the ball, where I think that they might not be good enough just yet to be able to push – that next level. Uh, this is a team that I thought should have blown out the Saints yesterday on Monday Night Football. Didn't do so. The game was a lot closer than what it needed to be, even though Ian Book was a quarterback for the Saints, which was incredibly bad. But um, the, the fact that they were they were playing the Saints that close with a basically a third or fourth string, really fourth string quarterback, uh, says all I need to know. They're, this is still a team that is just a little bit behind. It's just being a little bit lucky right now. I think it luck ends uh, on Sunday. Okay. Then we have the Cardinals at the Cowboys. Cowboys, four-and-a-half-point favorites. Yeah, the Cardinals are on the flip side of the Dolphins where they're the unlucky or the, the the I don't know what to call it, the coldest team in football right now, I guess, right? Like, this is a team that we kind of saw entering this season uh, as a mediocre football team. They ended up becoming the best team in the NFL, what a lot of people consider at least, and all of a sudden came back right back to where reality was, where they're back to being a mediocre football team again. Um, meanwhile, the Cowboys are rolling. They look great. Uh, and, are, and are performing really, really real, real, well right now. Uh, still no Hopkins for uh, uh, the Cardinals, I think, that plays a pretty big factor in this game. Uh, Kyler Murray's been struggling a lot, and the Cowboys secondary that is much improved from last year. So uh, I think the Cowboys do win this game, actually. I'm, I'm going to take the Cowboys uh, to win, but I do think it's a four-and-a-half point favorite, right? Four-and-a-half, yes. Yeah. I, I will take the Cardinals to cover, however. I do think this game stays pretty close. Uh, and can go within like a, a, a field goal uh, difference in this game. So I will take the Cowboys to win, but the Cardinals to cover, which I guess it just means the Cardinals cover this game, even though and I think the Cowboys maybe will the Cardinals win. win. Who knows? Yeah. Well, if, yeah. if they do, and I'm, I'm wrong, but I'm also right. So I'll take it. <laughs> it's a good way to hedge. Hedge your expertise with getting to win in gambling. It's a, it's a great strategy, at least in my opinion. It's a great strategy. Um, yeah. What else do we have here? I'm going to make you pick one of these bad games because there's a lot of bad games this week. But for now, uh, Rams at the Ravens. It is a three-point Rams line at Baltimore. I'm shocked it's only three. I guess because it's at Baltimore. That's probably why. Uh, uh, well, the... also because the heroic Lamar Jackson is still technically questionable to play, even though he had destroyed his ankle a few weeks ago, somehow questionable to play. Right, yeah, I guess that's true. Uh, I, I don't even know if Lamar Jackson will play or not. Honestly, I don't even care. I'm still going to take the Rams to win and cover this game. Uh, the Ravens are just way too banged up right right now. Even if Lamar Jackson plays, 
this is the worst defense in the NFL at this very moment, which is very rare for us to say for the Ravens. Uh, but watching Joe Burrow and the Bengals throw 525 yards on top of their heads, to see them now turn around and face the hottest receiver in the NFL in Cooper Cup, also Odell Beckham Jr., Van Jefferson, and this very, very good Rams offense. Uh, I just don't see them having a chance here. I think this game could finish within double digits, actually. Uh, I'm going to take the Rams to win and cover. Uh, we have the Panthers at the Saints. The Saints are seven-point favorites. <laughs> Who's a quarterback here for the Saints? That's, That's the biggest question point. right now. I will ask you a different game. I have no idea, so let's let's find another one because that is that is unfair of me to do. To I you. think I think it's Taysom Hill, though. I think I'm not too sure though. Yeah, possibly, but that was unfair of me to do to you. I, I am going to pick a different game on my part here. Uh, let's do Vikings at Packers. Packers seven-point favorites. Ooh, that's tough. Uh, Vikings really need a win here to keep their playoff hopes alive. And like, the Vikings are a team that have I, – I still haven't given up hope on. This is still a team that has a chance to be successful down the line. They have a lot of good star players on their roster they can build around and work with. Um However, they struggled recently. We haven't really seen a lot of Adam Thielen for some reason. I don't know if it's really because of injuries or, or what, but he hasn't been very much there. Uh, Devin Cook's kind of had a, a, a bit of a drop-off. I don't know if it's due to injury as well. Uh, I'm not too sure. It's been rough for him the last couple of weeks uh, outside of that Steelers game that they dominated, of course. Um, the Packers, meanwhile, are, are are continuing to roll, right? Like They look really good. They, they look talented. They kind of had a bit of a scare, I guess, uh, I guess the Ravens a couple of weeks ago, and then they had a scare against the Browns. Um, but they are still a team that is very, very good. I do think, though, due to how important this game is for the Vikings, they're just close enough to cover this game. So I think the Vikings plus seven. That is a good pick. And last but not least, we have Jaguars at Patriots. Patriots, 17-point favorites. Oh, God. Man, 17's a tough line. You've also got Lions Seahawks if you want it. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, I'll take this one. Um, I, been terrible this year. They're, they're, they're so bad. Um, I'll take the Patriots to win and cover. It just seems like Bill Belichick is going to run down their throats and destroy them. So I'll take the Patriots to cover minus 17. <laughs> <laughs> it's so great when you have one of those games because – the, the, it's weird to pick bad teams at the end of the season, even though I'm like 13 and two in the last three weeks, but it's so weird. Cause you never know what's going to happen with these teams that are not playing for anything. Like the Texans beat the chargers last week and they weren't playing for anything. And then you have like the bears beating the Seahawks. And it's like, yeah, teams that have nothing to play for have weird stuff happen at the end of the year. It's kind of been a rule I've learned over the last three years. So yeah, it's it's un it's cruel to make you pick these games, but at a certain point, I have to make it difficult because I have a chance to win for the first time ever in our pick'em pool. <laughs> yes, yeah, uh, best of luck to you. I'm, I've kind of choked these last couple of weeks, huh? So no, you uh, haven't choked. You went three and two last week. You're still five games over five hundred. Oh. I've just gone thirteen and two in the last wow. three weeks. Cool. Okay, I was just like, I know I went zero and five a week ago, I believe. Yeah. Uh, so that that kind of hurt me, but I guess you're just rolling in a file. That's that's crazy. So yeah, no, you, uh, you three and two you. last week. You're still way above 500. I've just I've just been amazing at the, in the last few weeks. <laughs> I got you. I understand. That's awesome. So uh, best of luck to you uh, on the on the on the pickums. I guess. Uh, hope I can pass you though. I gotta keep my title.
keep the belt and you, and you held the record of 59% on the picks. And there's a, there's a ballpark chance that I can break 59%. That's the all time record from last year in any season would be 59%. There's a small chance I can get it. I'm not, not too worried about getting it, but there's a small chance I could get to 59% and break the all time record. See where you at right now? What like fifty six ish? Right. Let's see. I'm nine up right now. So oh, wow. let me see what forty four divided by seventy nine is. Let's see what that says on the internet. I don't have my calculator with me, so let's see <laughs> what it says here as I try and fill time while typing math into Google. Uh, it I want to say fifty six or fifty seven. Fifty six. Yeah, fifty six. Fifty six. Got it. Nice. Yeah, so you have a there's a ballpark chance. You have to probably what go what like nine and one these next two weeks. Yeah, something ish. like that. <laughs> yeah, take so that'd be tough. It'd take a lot to get there, but it's still yeah. in the realm of possibility. Yeah. All right. Well, again, best of luck to you. I'm excited for this uh, next week. I'm going to the Chiefs Bengals game next week, so uh, uh, wish me luck on that. Go Bengals, of course. I'm going to go one more time this year. Um, probably going to get destroyed, but oh well. <laughs> Yeah, you guys, you guys will do fine. And this is the part about all of this is we talk about how do teams rebuild and how do teams tank and what do you do when you don't have a quarterback? There also exists a team that has the greatest offensive coach in the history of the NFL and the greatest quarterback to ever pick up a football. So it's pretty hard when you're going up against that to try and take that down. Luckily, it's just a rain a lot and it'd be really, really cold. So I have faith that maybe maybe they play into our favor and it becomes a, a running game where we just get to see Joe Mixon versus Clyde Edwards Hilaire the entire game. <laughs> and, hey, good luck to you on that. I like your chances there, but I, I purposely didn't make you pick that game because of conflicting powers there. This was a good podcast. This is a really good podcast. Well, appreciate you having me on yet again. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.